the convention collective Sandbox at the ICE International Comic Expo, Brighton 2019. For the benefit of that recording, this is the ICE International Comic Expo in Brighton, um, hosted by Shane Chebsey, and it's been it's been a hell of a day. It has. Um, what's it been like? Uh, I, I keep okay. This is the thing as well. <laughs> I was saying at the at the end of the last panel. Um, every time I do a, a um, convention like this, I always feel that the the panels are being put in the basement somewhere. So I feel that we're down in the basement. So I keep saying, well, upstairs. We're not. So, we're yeah, not. We're, we're upstairs. We're upstairs. <laughs> So, okay, downstairs, how's it been? It's been good. Everyone's yeah. been super friendly and kind. It's been really nice. Yeah? Yeah. Has it been a case of introducing yourself? What's been the, the kind of um, footfall uh, in terms of when you come to an event like this? Is it to introduce yourself or is it meeting established friends? A bit of both, really. Yeah. Um, I've met a bunch of people who already know my work. But, yeah, also a bunch of people who didn't even know they were into comics. So, yeah, like, <laughs> there's been people reading my comics going, oh, well, I don't usually like comics. And I'm like, well, surprise, you like comics. <laughs> like, if you like be, my stuff, that's, yeah, that's, that's what we do. Comics. That's what we do. Um, so, yeah, that's been quite nice. Cool. Um, to explain, we are talking to Rachel Smith. Hello. Hello. <laughs> now, uh, we've. I made a note, because I wanted to get a timeline okay. of, like, the releases and the years, because okay. just really kind of the, it, it's it. just like bang, 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 bang. It's just all this, it, and, and when it kind of like <laughs> rolls, it goes in two pages. Yeah. There's a lot there, and what I what I, I I really like about the work that you do and the, the the consistency and just the fact that you're always wanting to tell stories and tell new stories as well. Um, is that is that a challenge to just from, do you have, uh, there's a couple of artists I spoke to and they said, oh, I, I come up with about five ideas a month and I just put them to one side and then just roll through and I'm just going, okay, that sounds like a lot. That sounds like a chilling through. Do, is it something that you are constantly looking for the next idea? Oh, I wish I had a really clever response to this question, but I don't. Um, I guess I, I don't come up with loads of ideas all the time. Right. Some people say that they have more ideas than they have time. time. That isn't that isn't me. Um, I, I'm inspired a lot by folklore and, and things like that. So now and again, or, or I'll come up with a character and I just... Without want, a story. Yeah, and I just want to know more about them. Right. And I'll put them in different situations until something fits or something happens that I just I, I want to tell. Yeah. So I, I end up with a story I really need to tell. Um, and then I... Um, yeah. So it's characters it. first. Characters <laughs> it's always first. yeah, always characters first. Okay. My stuff is very character driven, yeah. and if if I ever get writer's block or I can't work out a scene, I will get my characters and I will put them in a situation and just write that instead, just mm. to learn more about them. So, what would they all do if they were all stuck in a lift, or what would they all do if they were all at a really shitty? Uh, there's no, no, there's, no, there's no babies here. Um, I think they're fine. If they're a really shitty gig, what would they all do together? You know, that yeah. kind of thing. Just put them in a situation and see how they would all react to each other, and that's how I learn about them. And okay. Yeah, I think it makes the writing of the actual book, even if that scene doesn't end up in the book, it makes the book all the richer for it, okay. for me knowing more about them. I do like how your characters are very contemporary. Okay. Uh, they are very... 
Then very now. Okay, that sounds so. That's <laughs> that's a naff phrase. They're so they're, trendy. They're so cool, man. <laughs> um, but they are very contemporary characters. They're very much of our time. Yes. They're, they're not. But but is that something that is very conscious in the way that you write your characters, or or is it something that just happens to be the characters that you want to tell? I think I'm just interested in telling stories that are set now, mm. like from. A modern, from, really modern. Yeah, from ground level, from where I am, mm. like, and how people are right now. I think. Yeah, um, is that kind of related to because you've done a number of web comics, which mm-hmm. kind of like are very much contemporary of the moment, if yes. if that makes sense. Does is that does that play into that that kind of very? Yeah. Uh, I'm not really interested in going back and going over history or anything. Yeah. I, I want to tell new stories about things that are happening now, but also allegorically maybe getting old stories, old folklore stories yeah. involved. Like I, I am with Isabella and Bloodwin, there's a lot of right. folklore going on there, but it is set very, you know, in, in today's time. Okay. Um, <laughs> I said that really badly. No, 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 I swear not I'm a writer. I yes. am a writer. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I've kind of done a little bit of research, and I know that uh, you weren't big into comics when when you were growing up. No. Um, and it was something that you kind of, well, not fell into, but you kind of got encouraged to look into. Because wasn't it like, like the superhero stuff that just turned? Yeah. So I had a lot. Of so you had a preconception. I had a lot of prejudices when yeah. I was a kid. I I didn't care for superheroes, and I thought that was all comics were. Hmm. And it wasn't really until Scott Pilgrim came out um, that the penny dropped, and I was just like, "Oh, this is just a medium. You can tell any story hmm. in it." Um, yeah, and superheroes still don't really do it for me. Sorry. No. Sorry, everyone. Okay. <laughs> what are the comics that you read now? Um, I love Paper Girls, I love okay. Lumberjanes, I love um, Squirrel Girl. Uh, there's, uh, I say I hate superheroes, but, <laughs> but she's, she's amazing. She's a computer science student before she's a superhero. So um, yeah, and just um, uh, Kate Beaton, I love. Um, and uh, Scott Pilgrim, obviously, and, and Seconds and, and everything he does. Yeah. Mm. How does it feel to be, from somebody who was reading those books, to now being a contemporary of those writers? I think you are. I mean, the, <laughs> let's let's be. You can you can be all nervous and all of that and cover your mouth and everything. But at the end of the day, award nominated, you you've got the the people follow and enjoy and love your work, and you are very much a contemporary of those um, those creators now. How does that then, how do you see people coming and being inspired by what you're doing? Um, it, it's amazing. <laughs> I mean, you, I always feel like you should pay it forward. Because hmm. I asked a bunch of comic artists when I was getting into comics, you know, I asked their advice and what they used to do. And, and they all were really helpful. So I'm always very helpful for people that come to me um, about that kind of thing yeah. and I always give them my email address and I'm like show me your stuff and I'll uh, okay I'll is it something that you'd be interested in creating an umbrella for other talent to come forward or is it are you still very much looking to tell your own stories at this point 
Yeah, I'm not really a, an organiser of things. I'm more a storyteller, <laughs> I have to say. But I, I will help where I can. Sure. <laughs> I will okay. always give advice and find time to answer people's questions about okay. that. Who was, the one, who was the creator that kind of really got you to create your own stories? Uh, and I'm not, I'm not just talking about influences, but actually who gave you the kind of like advice about how to get this done? It wasn't so much advice, but it was Kieran Gillen, the first time I met that him. Guy, that name seems to keep <laughs> cropping up, doesn't he? He's, he gets around. Doesn't he, just? <laughs> um, it was at the second Thought Bubble I'd ever done, and it was the first time I'd ever met him. And my boyfriend at the time, who was in comics, introduced me to him, and he sat down with me, and, he, and there was a bunch of people. We were all just drinking, and it was after the show, and it was very chilled. And Kieran was just like, so, you know, what do you want to do? What, what are you in this business for and I was just like whoa that's a big question <laughs> and I just said well I want to I want to tell my own stories uh, without really thinking about it that just came out of my mouth and I was yeah. like oh yeah that that is what I want to do I don't want to do a lot of licensed stuff like right. I I love the stuff I did with Doctor Who hmm. I you know I, I was I really, gonna I was gonna fold and I really <laughs> I really um I'm thankful for that opportunity and I'd love to do more but for just for me, the legacy I want to leave behind is, you know, the stories that I told and the mm. characters that I made up, and so yeah, that's what I want to do. Even though there's way more money in licensed stuff. <laughs> well, there, well, yes, <laughs> absolutely. We'll not think about that. Okay. <laughs> the characters that you create, then I, I see a kind of common commonality in that they understand and recognise their own self-centre if you know what I mean they understand mm. that it, they have issues oh they're very troubled they, they're, very tr they're very troubled <laughs> yes but they they're aware of it they are very self-aware okay. um, is that something that I've <laughs> have I read into that wrong or I is it no I, I don't think that's something I because there, there's also not only that self-awareness but that that realisation that um, not only do they perhaps need to change but then they don't want to change because those things make them who they are. I think a lot of the stories start where they're not very self-aware yeah. and then they become self-aware in the story and then they don't tend to get what they want but they get what they need. It's that kind of... Right. Yeah. Okay. That could, yeah. It's quite a traditional story. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Arc, if you like. But. Is that something that is part of the, say, the, the webcomic um, element uh, in that? Because with webcomics it's very much a kind of a rolling story and mm. there is that development of character and that the idea of growth and change and moving on but how does that translate to the sequential stuff that you do? The, the Are you talking about Bess? I'm talking about Bess, I'm, ta I'm talking about a few. Um, Bess was sort of a failed experiment with yeah. mine. <laughs> I do want to come back to Bess because okay. I think it has legs and I think it's a really good story but just for those of you who don't know, I, yeah, I, I started Bess as a webcomic as this story that I would just tell, and I was really wanky about the way I explained <laughs> it. I was like, I'm going to tell this story organically. Like, I'm just going to come up with a new page every week. I'm not going to write it or structure it. I'm just going to see where it goes. I am not the person to I do like that. I like the fact you I'm fell so into an American no, accent I'm No, but it was, so, <laughs> it was so bad. It was so bad. And I was like, no, I can't. I can't do this and I got really anxious about it and I just stopped and loads of people were really enjoying it and they were like no carry on I really like it which is great but yeah it's not it's not the kind of 
way I want to tell stories. I want I like to structure them and plan it and yeah. do it properly. Um, so I will come back to Bess, but I will do it properly. I'll do it the Rachel Smith way rather than try and do it a different way. Mm-hmm. I think it's good that I tried to do to tell a story a different way because mm-hmm. I learned that I can't do that. <laughs> but um, yeah. Do you feel that there's any characters or any stories that you have created that didn't get the audience that they f- you feel that they deserved? Because oh. you've, you've had a, a quite a successful run of great books. Um, but I'm just you. wondering if there's any kind of stories that you felt ha- had more to say uh, that then they, they, there was a natural end to its, um. to its run. I don't think so. No. no. I mean, all, I've been very lucky in that um, all my books have got a lot of attention, and I've had great publishers who have pushed them out to the right mm. people. So, okay. yeah, I feel cool. like I've done. You've been well. very well. Yes. <laughs> okay. That's enough blowing smoke up your ass, by the way. Just to deal with that. Um, oh, God, what are you going to say now? <laughs> <laughs> no, don't worry. Don't worry. Okay, so let's really decompartmise. Oh, no, that's not it. <laughs> Um, let's talk about the actual um, putting together of books um, in terms of, uh, well, number one, congratulations on the Kickstarter. Oh, thank you. Uh, which has done phenomenal uh, great guns. Thank uh, you very much. I believe it was a 6,000 target. Yes. And, and it's finally kicking in at 10 and a half. Yeah. It's not too shabby. <laughs> it's not too bad at all. Um, is, but you're also publishing something through Unbound. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the kind of comparison between the two in... Uh, the the satisfaction of getting a story out there is in terms of self funding it and kickstarting it and then going through a publisher. Which what's the pros and cons of the the two approaches? Um, self publishing is always great because, and I would always recommend to a new creator that they self publish first because you kind of get a feeling of all the different jobs involved in making a book. So mm. you're the you're the writer and the artist and the uh, you know the person dealing with the printer and the um, dealer shipping it out to the shops and the marketer and the social media like you, you have you all are that of those whole jobs. engine yeah. and if and then if you can say to a publisher hey I did this book and I self published it they will think okay you're you're kind of aware of what it, it is involved in putting out a book um, so self publishing is very satisfying in that way in that you can get a book and say I did everything I did all of this Um, but getting a publisher is a lot better because you can just get on with making the book and they do everything else (laughs) it's really nice Um, so yeah uh, yeah those are the pros and cons really of both of those um, where are you in the um, production of both those books at the moment where's where's the story at the moment Um, so obviously I have the money for Stand in Your Power yes you do um, I'm very nearly finished with the book now, oh, wow. so that'll be going to print about mid-March. Okay. Um, so it'll be getting shipped out hopefully April. Right. Um, we're still crowdfunding for Unbound, the Unbound book, uh, Isabella and Bloodwin, um, and yeah, I'm still working on the book as well. Mm. So as soon as Sad in Your Power has gone to print, I'll be on that one okay. again. Um, I'd like to talk about Isabella and Bloodwin because okay. I, uh, I'm interested in the concept of it if you okay. could explain to the the audience and <laughs> if you can give us the elevator pitch oh of, oh god yes so and how many floors do i <laughs> 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 i so isabella and bloodwin is a story 
uh, based on a bottle that's in a museum called the Pitt Rivers Museum, and it's real and you can go and see it. And um, it's said to have a witch in it. And the, the lady who gave this bottle to the museum uh, said, you can have this bottle, it's fine, but please don't open it because there's a witch in it. And um, so the museum hasn't opened it. They've x-rayed it and done lots of research in it, but they've never opened it. So this book, Isabella and Bloodburn, is about what would happen if it was opened and the witch got out and started terrorizing this one girl, mm. <laughs> Isabel. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, Isabella is this very precocious, very young uh, kind of upper self young girl and Bloodwin is this like million year old witch um, who is just excited to be out and yeah, <laughs> she kind of uh, turns Isabella's life upside down. I quite like the idea of how she curses her as well. Yes. Uh, if you just explain that. So Bloodwin curses, they fall out because Bloodwin wants to go to all these parties and Isabella just wants to study. Um, and they have a massive fallout uh, one night. I won't tell you what happens because it's spoilers, but Bloodwin does something quite awful. And um, Isabella has a massive go at her. And Bloodwin um, curses her so that she can only hear people that truly care about her. So Isabella's life goes very silent for a while because she's not done very well in the social aspect of university. Um, but then the people that she can hear, she realises, yeah, she, she learns a lot. Yeah. It is. Uh, I, I think that's what really turned me on to it, is this real kind of... I mean, the, the, the first, the, the one-line pitch up, girl has which mm. owns in bottle but then you add this real kind of like high concept thing <laughs> to it and that, uh, then it really becomes about relationships and um, yeah. social constructs and how people perceive you and, and that's just real fascinating to me I think that's it, it's it's an interesting did I say I was going to stop blowing smoke up your ass um, <laughs> so, what happened I've just carried on going um, where d does the story is it something that you see having more chapters is it something that because it's a very constrained time period it's at the end of the day it's at the university it's a very kind of it's a couple mm. of years thing but can you see the story developing further forward or have you not thought that far um, ahead in the story I mean line? it's a complete story it is yeah and it's the longest story I've ever told right it's like over 200 pages um, it's a lot longer than the rabbit how long does it take to you have taken you to do I've not finished it yet. So oh, I don't okay, very good point. Good point. <laughs> How long has it been in oh, putting together? Like, then? I was thinking about it when I was doing The Rabbit. Right. So it's been in my brain for a long, old time. Um, but yeah, um, it's hard to quantify when I've not been at it yeah. the whole time. Like, mm. it's kind of just been stewing right. in there. And yeah, I'm so excited to get it out, though, because I think it's a really good story. Mm. But yeah, I don't, I, I, it's... I think it's a complete story. Mm. Like it's, um, I've not really thought about anything about those characters beyond it. Which is the character that you most um, not identify with, but uh, <laughs> you have in your head more as that inner dialogue? Is it Isabella? Um, is it? <laughs> it's, it's Isabella. Not okay. necessarily how she talks, though, but how she kind of is, is a little bit like I was in school. Right. I was a bit aloof. I mm. thought I was a bit 
above everyone else. Okay. Because <laughs> that, that was going to be my next question. Who are, okay. the, who are the character influences? Who, who's the inner monologue? Who, who is the inner monologue? But I mean, of... they're all a little bit like me, I guess. Yeah. The, the one I most like is Kathy in The Rabbit. Okay. Because she's quite whimsical and she's always... She's always thinking about everybody else, and she's always worrying about things that have nothing to do with her. And um, yeah, so <laughs> I don't know. They're all little bits of me, I guess. Okay, that's what I you think do, that's isn't that's it? When well, you write, absolutely. So I mean, when you put a bit of yourself in there. Well, I think that's what people really connect with with mm. your work because it is very much your voice. It's your voice that's uh, yeah. very much there, uh, yeah, and I think they pe- people really connect with that. Um, but then you look at. Say the um, like I say, you have done a number of licensed uh, things. Mm. You, well, you've certainly done Doctor Who, mm-hmm. um, and you've also done a couple. Was it covers for Lumber James? Lumber James, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. With Doctor Who, then, um, where did that come from? Was it something that someone approached you and felt that your style of storytelling would suit this particular strip, mm-hmm. or did you go, "Hi, <laughs> I've got this idea, and I'd like to." Send it your way because that's one thing that I've noticed that Titan are they're very at the moment they're very acceptable to uh, different ideas. Um, so I did a comic convention called the London um, Screen and oh god, what was it called? <laughs> the London. There's so many of London, them. There's so many. Um, LSCC, the London, London Super Comic Con. The London Super, no, no, oh, it wasn't that one. Comic-Con? The London Film and Comic Con. Yes, ah, thank you. LFCC. The London Film and Comic Con. How many of these things I, are there? there <laughs> I did that one, and um, Andrew James, who was the editor at the time, mm-hmm. came up and approached me and said, "Do you want to maybe pitch for a gig?" And he didn't say what it was, right. but obviously I bit his hand off. I was like, "Yes, please." He mm-hmm. not me. Um, but I kind of also knew what it was at the time because Mark Ellaby, my friend, had just got the Doctor Who gig. So right. I was like, yeah, it's probably that. Yeah. And it was. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, and other than not picking the Doctor Mark had picked because he told me he'd shoot me, um, it was all fine. Like, I could do whatever I wanted. I could pick whatever Doctor I wanted apart from Mark's. Oh, that was going to be my next question. Yeah. I mean, was it a the doctor was given to you, but you chose no. to, you chose chose ten. I because I, at the time I didn't know much about Doctor Who, okay. so I just chose the one that I fancied the, the most. <laughs> um, so <laughs> they were fine with that, and um, yeah, then I just binge watched loads of the Tenth Doctor right. episodes. And my housemate at the time was just like, is this your job now? Because like, she would go to work and I'd be watching Doctor Who and then she'd come back and I'd still be watching Doctor Who. <laughs> says, what are you doing? What are you doing with your life? And I'm like, I don't know. This is just my job now. I can, <laughs> I can see Matt Smith and the Tenth Doctor. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's a Rachel Smith character. I think. I think. Yeah. Well, he's got a chin uh, in the forehead. Uh, so he's, mm-hmm. he's very, uh, he, he lends very much to your um, style. Um, Thanks. Was well, what? What? Uh, this was actually a question that came up with Joel's panel uh, after the next one, uh, uh, the previous panel, in that when um, comic creators come to a licensed um, character like Doctor Who mm-hmm. with such a rabid fan base. What kind of pressures do you find yourself under to kind of get the characterization right, to get the the styling right, to just kind of deliver, because they can just turn around and... Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I did a lot of research. Okay. 
Um, and I did the best I could in writing. Mm-hmm. I think I did very well. Yeah. I think I, you know, got you the got, character. You got, you got him. Yeah. Thanks. I still got a lot of hate. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. The Whovians, they're insane. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yes. And well, I'm not yes. doing it anymore, am I? So. <laughs> um, yeah, they, really? they got very angry with me. What, what, uh, mainly why? for how I was drawing his hair. Really? Yeah. But his hair changes like between takes, it, it doesn't stay the same in the show. So I was just like, I'm just going to give him a quiff. It's fine. Done. And so it wasn't yeah, anything about, you know, like Rose and stuff? No. no. They, they loved that. I got a lot of love for getting him and Rose sort of that thing reignited. But yeah, they didn't. Most How of them didn't like that? me. I mean, the hate's always louder, isn't it, than the sure. love. But yeah, on the internet. Well, that, I was going to talk about the, about the relationship with your followers and uh, mm-hmm. with social media. Because... I, I'm a rabid fan, follower of your uh, uh, Twitter, um, <laughs> and I really like the way that you do interact as much as you can with your followers. How important is that to you? Not necessarily just to sell the sell the mm. books, but for your own peace of mind, because it can be a, a wild west yeah. scenario out there. I mean, I get not to big myself up, but I do get a lot of tweets and I, I do try and say thank you if people mm. are saying a nice thing. Especially about Wired Up Wrong. Um, because that's obviously a very personal book and people relate to it on a very personal level. Yeah. And often people tell me stories about themselves and their, their own struggles with depression and anxiety and, and how my books help them. And I will always put those kind of messages above everything else because mm. I think that's important for me to respond to that. It's, I think couldn't bear to not <laughs> just leave it like um because i'm very proud of those people as well for sure. doing for doing well with those uh, illnesses um but yeah I, I do try and reply to things oh. but often it's a little bit yeah <laughs> impossible yeah, yeah it's, it's, you do get a fair amount <laughs> I do. Fair. um in terms of your own um i'm not gonna say your own struggles with your own mental health uh, because Fair to say. Yeah, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> I do struggle. Um, does the work help in getting that in writing your own mind? Is it something because the the old um, therapeutic getting the sto- getting that out there and uh, it's and, a bit uh, of venting. it's a bit of both. Sometimes yeah? it is very cathartic to put it down on paper. Hmm. Sometimes it is really difficult. Because um, you're really not in the mood, yeah, <laughs> and you have to write Just, about it, yeah. Um, especially the the story in Why It Wrong about um, being harassed as a child, and the story in the new one, Stand in Your Power, about self harming. They were both very difficult things to write, but sure. I knew that they would help people that had been through that okay. um, stuff as well. So. Yeah, I got it down. But a, a lot of it was very cathartic. Yeah. So, um, I, I'm a massive fan. And I'll, this is where I say massive fan, I get the name wrong. So, no, <laughs> Jack and, I want to say uh, Jake. And it's not Jack, Jack and Lucy. Jack and Lucy. Jake Phillips was the artist. There you so go. There you go. It's okay. That's you where can be forgiven I, I go for that. <laughs> Big fan of that um, uh, piece. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about the relationship with um, 
Yeah, with um, with Mr. Phillips. Yes. Uh, how was that put brought together? How was um, we? Oh, um, <coughs> the, so they. I might as well sorry. very quickly explain that story if anyone's not read it. It's uh, a, a gorgeous piece of work <laughs> about two um, people that um, went to school together and had a very strong relationship, and then for reasons they stopped talking and this is and it's the story of the reconnection and the power of that reconnection and the, the way it helps the pair of them am mm. i right in yeah the, I just, that's a nice way of yeah thank christ for that <laughs> <laughs> thank god i got that right okay um so yeah talk um, talk about how that was put together i mean um, um they, so they actually hired jake before they found me okay um so they had the artist before for the writer um, and it was just through Facebook. It was on one of the Facebook comic groups that they were looking for someone near Manchester that could write a comic. And I was like, mm, yeah, I can do that. And then they picked me for some reason. And um, yeah, it was, uh, it was really lovely. It's kind of the first time I've written for someone else. Mm -hmm. um, and written to spec, as it were. Just writing for another artist oh, okay. is a lot different to writing a script for yourself. Like, I kept having to explain what the characters were thinking. Right. Which I've never really had to do before. Because <laughs> you know all this. Well, yeah, and that was really weird, but kind of helpful as well. And, yeah, it was just really... And then getting the pages back from Jake was like... Uh, every page was like a gift. It was like Christmas morning. It was so amazing. This <laughs> stuff is amazing. And, um, yeah, just seeing my words recreated by someone else on yeah. the screen was... So nice. That's cool. Um, Excellent. Yeah. Um, I do want to open it up to questions. So if anyone has anything that they want to ask, uh, by all means, I know that they've been here. Uh, you've been here all day, and no doubt people <laughs> have been to see you and talk to you already. But if there's anything that hasn't been asked already, um, I will open it up. Do you want to uh, put anything forward? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's thinking questions. <laughs> yeah. So I'll. T I'll um, I'll think, I'll tell you what, I'll ask another question. You have to think about okay. it. Okay. Um, is there any other license that you would like to take on? Other characters that you'd like to take on? Or are you at this point so busy? Squirrel Girl. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I love her so much. Has there been any conversations <laughs> no. about that then? No. Why not? I've done some spec pages for Marvel right. on Squirrel Girl, but nothing ever came of it. Really? No. Any feedback? What was... No. Oh no! I, I sent. I've already sent too many emails now. <laughs> about it. I oh can't dear. Send okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um, anyone else that's uh, kind of? Because we are in a very much a big renaissance of some big um, female yeah. characters. I'd love to do Lumberjanes. Yeah. Lumberjanes would be. You're gonna have to amazing. wrestle it out of their hands. I know, man. right? <laughs> I don't think they're gonna give that <laughs> up any anytime soon. But okay. at the minute, I'm perfectly happy doing my own. Okay. Um, you've got the works in progress. Mm -hmm. um, have you got anything that's kind of like bubbling in the back of your head for future projects? I'd like to do another flimsy book. Okay. At the minute, the working title is Flimsy's Musings. Okay. Spelled M-E-W-I-N-G. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> so it's just her thoughts on life and stuff. Um, just because people love Flimsy so much. <laughs> um, other than that, uh, yeah, Bess. I'd like to go back to Bess and I was, do that properly. Would would you um, would you return to the webcomic uh, format? Is that no, something? No, no, I'd do it as a print thing. Yeah, I don't think webcomics are for me. 
Okay. Why just that? Because uh, it seemed to sit nicely with the stories that you were telling. Mm. Why? Why is web comics not? Can't make any money. Well, there is that. Well, yeah, there is there's that. that. Doing it. And um, yeah, I just I I prefer to sell it to a publisher and be sure. like, do you want to do this with me? Okay. Yeah, but to do that, I need to write a whole story and an ending and everything. Right. And <laughs> before I try and open it up to questions, one last one for me is uh, about where you live and the fact that it's Hebden Bridge. Yes. It's up, up there. It's up there. I'm Clark Eaton, so I'm <laughs> not that far away from you. Um, okay. But does the kind of the northern temperament and that type, that area of uh, <laughs> that that area of uh, of the the country does that feed into your storytelling? What do you mean by the northern temperament? It, well, okay, I'll I'll put, I'll put it this way: Hebden Bridge is out in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Um, and we're all so weird. <laughs> I won't go that far. No, okay. Um, that's Keithley. Um, <laughs> Wike's weird. Um, but no, it is in the middle of the wilds. It is. And it's nice and hilly up there, and it's, it gives you a chance to kind of go off and find it, your own voice out in the wilderness. It's Does that also kind of the most creative place I've ever lived in. Yeah. Um, and it's full of weird misfits. And I love it. I fit in so much there. Um, yeah, I've met the best friends I've ever had there. And um, yeah, no one has a proper job in Hampton. It's amazing. No. Yeah. <laughs> and lots of jumpers. <laughs> lots of jumpers. Lots and lots of jumpers. Yes. Yeah, everyone's freelance or part time slash freelance or, you know, I don't know, yeah, during something. That makes year, sense. Okay. It's just a, it's a really nice place to live for me. I was, yeah, yeah, I was going to try and work out how it fed into your characters and the stories that you tell. Because it's very much in a monologue and out there well, there's nothing else to distract you, really. Yes, yeah. Um, it is a great place to write. Having said that, I've not really written a made-up story while I've been in Hampton. I've oh, mainly no. done my autobio stuff. Right. Um, I did a bit of Bess while I was in Hampton. But that's it, you know, the rabbit was already done and out there, but, yeah. Okay. Um, oh. Yeah, yeah. That's um, good, yeah, go yeah, for it. Little question, um, where do you see yourself going in the future? Do you think you'll do a, a balance of auto-bio and made-up stories, or do you, do you think that you'll concentrate more in one area? Which, you know, which do you feel most at home? I'm pretty at home with doing a balance, yeah. to be fair. I mean, if... Um, I'm guessing that yeah. kind of ticks a lot of the boxes and kind of really fire, you know, fires the creative juices that you're doing, that you, you're able to do both. Yeah, although I, I'm not sure I'll do another book about myself. I think that might be a bit much. Do you find it quite um, taxing creating that book? Yeah, oh, for sure, yeah. Um, but I did diary comics for my Patreon for a while, um, so I might go back to doing something like that again, or maybe just a weekly thing. Um, because I'm very much in awe of you know Sarah Grayley or Lucy Abri, um for for doing those those kind of um, I, I think they're all we're all um, influenced by James Kachalka like the four panel yeah. uh, thing but yeah it's 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 a really nice um, m m way of just telling someone about your day here's a four <laughs> panel comic and I I really like that I like the simplicity of that so I 
I don't ever want to stop doing diary comics, but it, it probably won't be another full-on book. It'll probably just be a little side thing. <laughs> Anybody else? So I've got one last question, and I think we'll wrap up, because it's, it's a silly one. Because, oh. at the end of the day... Oh, oh. oh no, sorry, don't mind. Uh, I was wondering if... Um, after you finish writing a book, you ever find that one of the characters has been like unintentionally really influenced by someone you know? Oh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I'm sorry if a similar question is asked. I haven't been here. No, no, no. no, no, no. no. It hasn't. I don't think so. Not consciously. Although, no. no, not consciously. You got me thinking now. <laughs> You're thinking through all your friends and yeah, going, like, ah, crap, <laughs> maybe I should email this person. <laughs> yeah. um, no, other than them all having aspects of me, I don't think I've ever just written someone into a book, intentionally or unintentionally, I don't think. Although I am going to go home and read all my books now. <laughs> <laughs> have there been any characters that kind of have stuck around once the story is finished in, the, in your head? Um, well, there have been characters that have grown onto yeah, yeah, stories, yeah. as you know. Um, but no, there's, there's never been any other characters. Because I think if you make a character and then you tell a story about that character, that needs to be the most important thing that ever happens in their life right. that you tell about. So I think then going, oh, and then this happened to them is sometimes a little bit unrealistic. Yeah. I don't know that they've got that okay. much of an exciting life. But, yeah... Um, I always find it more interesting to make up someone else. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. And, okay, no, 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 go for it. Okay, I was wondering, like, I don't know how to, like, word this properly, but have you ever had, like, an experience or, like, met someone that, like, kind of changed the way you wrote, like, about people or about, like, interactions or how you thought about yourself? Yes. That's a big oh, question. That's a very big question. Um, time for us to... Yeah, I think we're just about there. <laughs> we'll be, um, yeah, we're fine. There's a book called Into the Woods by uh, John York. John York? Yeah. yeah. Um, he changed the way I write. Well, he pretty much taught me the way to write. Um, it's my favourite book on story structure. Um, so... Yeah, him, I guess. There's also a book called Save the Cat by Blake yeah. Snyder. And if you don't mind the very slight misogynistic way it's written, uh, he, he's, he's dead now, he's really old, and it's really old-fashioned book. Um, if you can get through that, it's actually really useful <laughs> um, about his thoughts on like genre. and um, uh, I mean, It's a book on, about screenwriting, but there's a lot of transferable things to comics. Uh, but yeah, John York, I guess, would be the top one. Yeah, Into the Woods. <laughs> and yeah, the question I was going to ask is, um, seeing as you are in communication with Kieran Gillen, do you play D&D? <laughs> I've played... Because it seems to me that he is wanting to get everyone playing D&D by the end of anything he does. It's just it's just what all he wants to do. Yeah, that's his like main that's his main, yeah. His hobby is writing comics. <laughs> and getting D&D in people's lives. I've played a couple of games. Okay. I think it's all right. How did you do? Um, not very well. I didn't okay. die. Oh, there you go. That's all. But I didn't do very well. What was your character? It, um, I was um, 
I was a half orc called Pashmina. <laughs> I basically what a great name. I basically chose the thing that was the most unlike me. <laughs> so I wanted to be really big and strong <laughs> instead oh, of tiny <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> I would love to have been there flying the wall on that one. That would have been amazing. That would have been amazing. Rachel, thank you very much indeed thank for talking to us. It's been a pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, Rachel Smith.